Hello, Hive Nation, and welcome back to the Hive Nation podcast. Each week, we have leading experts in personal and professional development to share their journeys to help you connect, engage, grow, evolve. Now, here's JB to introduce a special Movember guest. Hey, thanks, Greg. Uh, today, we have got another great guest uh, just in the green room chat that we've had here before coming on camera here uh, has really motivated me already. Uh Satch Laddie is our is our guest today, and Satch has a movement called Satch in Motion, and it basically is for um, awareness of, of PTSD and mental uh, mental health factors that that factor into every every daily life of whether it be uh, first responders or military or really anybody who's listening to this. It he, he's really. Uh, you know that great of a of a person and that great of a of a communicator to get through to to anybody who's who can listen to this here right now. So, um, uh, Satch, thanks first of all for being on the program. Second of all, thanks for not skipping Arm Day. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, hey, listen. First of all, uh, thank you for having me. And number two, I, Arm Day is right after this, bro. Yes, pump the guns, Satch. Pump so, the guns. Let's go. I, I, they're a lot smaller than they used to be, man. I used to be a, a lot bigger, but you know, the running <laughs> takes a toll on the body. <laughs> Same. Uh, so for for everybody who's who's new to to you, uh, so Satch did twenty two marathons in twenty two days recently for a movement for, uh, to get, you know, awareness out there for uh, the mental health, men's mental health and for um, the PTSD awareness as well. So uh, uh, that that's amazing. I couldn't do that in my truck. So uh, you did it on your, on with running shoes. How many running shoes do you go through in a year? Oh man, that's a good question. I mean, so um, for August, I went through two pairs. So I think, you know, probably I go through a few pairs a year for sure, um, depending on how many kilometers I'm running. That's amazing. There's people that haven't gone through two pairs in their life. <laughs> I, hey, I used to be that guy. <laughs> I was that guy before. So Satch's story is, is really cool, everybody. So like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to toss it over to you, Satch. What, you know, what gave you this motivation? How did you get started? You know, just tell us your story, how that works. Sure. So I'm a law enforcement, law enforcement officer over the last 18 years. And um, over the last uh, few years, let's say um, starting 2019, I was kind of dealing with my own issues, mental health issues, um, struggling with depression and anxiety. And at the time, I didn't know that's what I was dealing with. I, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm 45. And, you know, I grew up in a family in a household where we're not talking about these things very often. And, um, <clears throat> you know, mental health related things. And, so, you know, I grew, grew up living my life, doing my thing, but I always had this over this this cloud over my head for most of my life. I didn't really understand what it was, but now, you know, I understand a lot better. And um, the reason why I understand a lot better is because I got <laughs> knocked down quite hard a few years ago. And um, I was dealing with some personal issues, work-related issues, family issues, divorce, this, that, and the other. And um, I was struggling a great deal with my mental health to a point to where I ended up having a major depressive episode and I had to go see a physician and through that process uh, determined that I had pretty severe anxiety and depression and <clears throat> ended up getting some medication and then started that process and that journey of trying to figure out okay how do we manage what's going on here and <clears throat> and I was in a pretty bad spot in the sense of like um, I kind of hit a rock bottom because I was going 
went through a divorce and and um, I was the squeaky wheel in the marriage. I was the guy who was probably not the best husband on the planet. And um, and I there was a dissonance there because I thought I was, <laughs> and and but I clearly for sure I wasn't. But in my head I thought I was. Sure. And so when I got hit with that, um, you know, it knocked me down. And then. I wanted to reflect because I felt like I wasn't a bad person, but I was be behaving in a in a poor way. And I wanted to understand what that was about. So that led to me just diving deep and trying to figure out why I was such a piece of shit, to be honest. And um, so I, I ended up, um, my ex-wife and I, we had a house and um, through the divorce, I ended up moving into the basement suite of the house that we had. Um, because of the pandemic, we had a two-year-old daughter at the time, so we we had discussion and we we basically said uh, it might be better for me to move into the basement suite so that if we were renting, you know, if she were renting to someone else, there wouldn't be any squatters during the pandemic, difficulty kicking someone out if you had to, all that kind of stuff. So I elected to um, stay there as we discussed and, you know, paid rent and all those types of things. And it was, you know, very separate and everything. And as you can imagine, being in that environment, uh, it wasn't the best for either my ex-wife's mental health or mine. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a good place for either one of us. But, you know, we made do with what we had. And, and so in that scenario, I, I, I was even worse. I, I really hit a real dark spot. And I was just, you know, I started uh, watching some podcasts and I wasn't much of a reader back then. So I started reading and I picked up uh, the first book that I really read in years, years and years and years was uh, Jocko Willing's book, uh, Extreme, o Extreme Ownership. And I read that one cover to cover. <clears throat> and as soon as I read that, I I honestly didn't know what to do, but I, I, um, I started taking some ownership in some things. And as soon as I started doing that, that kind of gave me a little bit of breathing room mm -hmm. in the sense of like, okay, maybe this is the right thing to do. These are the right things to do. So I started moving in that direction. And then um, I, I picked up, uh, and I was still obviously dealing with my own issues. I was still struggling a great deal. At that time, we were uh, because of the pandemic was in full effect, we created a schedule at work where we'd be in at work at uh, for two weeks on and then and, and two weeks off. And so those two weeks off were the worst parts because then I'm going, you know, we weren't allowed to go out after, right? So we're stuck in, our, in a basement suite, no windows, no nothing for two weeks at a time and kind of isolated and already feeling like garbage. So when I would go to work, it would keep me occupied. So I wasn't really thinking about too many other things. So I was, I was, I was doing that. But um, those two weeks when I would be isolated, it, man, it, it was not good. So I ended up, uh, you know, um, having that major depressive episode, getting some medication, then start seeing my psychologist regularly. And then I picked up Can't Hurt Me, uh, David Goggins' book. And David Goggins, you know, retired Navy SEAL, ultra endurance guy. Um, and he, um, I read the first two chapters of the book and I put it down. I was done. And I was like, okay, I kind of have a rough idea what I should do. And I even now reflecting back on my decision, I had no clue what I was doing because <laughs> I, inter I interpreted that book as basically the underlying theme was, um, uh, chase adversity or do hard things. And to me, I thought that I, th oh, man, I was so deluded, man. Uh, to me at that time, I thought it meant just physical things. I do hard physical things. So the hardest physical thing for me at the time was running. And for me, I hadn't ran since high school. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm 45 now and I was 42 ish when I, when I started running. And, um, 
so I, uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I read that book. I started running. I, and I, man, it was, uh, it was hard, man. Cause I was a bodybuilder jujitsu guy. I was a lot bigger than I am now. And, um, when I first started, I didn't have any clarity as to what I was doing. I didn't have any plans as to what I have now. And it was all just, okay, how do I stay alive? How do I keep moving forward? How do I just salvage my life? Essentially is what it was. And, um, so fortunately for me, I've competed in bodybuilding. I've competed in jujitsu and I was somewhat of a disciplined athlete. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't disciplined everywhere. So I was disciplined when it came to physical activity. So I thought, okay, man, let me just see what I can do here. So I scheduled myself to run, uh, three times a week, five kilometers each time. Right. And I would do those. And then, you know, I'd push myself even further. I'm, I'm the type of person that always has to set a benchmark or always sets a goal of some kind. Um, especially when it came to physical things and timelines. So I would always do that. And I would always be that zero to 60 type of guy. So what I've recognized over the last few years is that a lot of people uh, will set small, tiny goals. And I was never that guy. I was always the guy who'd say, well, okay, what's the farthest end? And let me see if I can set that goal. And um, even if it was like my ego was so out of whack, like even if I didn't, if it wasn't impossible, I would say, okay, maybe I can do it. <laughs> so anyways, I would, I would keep pushing myself. And within a few months, I was like, okay, let me s see if I can run 21 kilometers. And, um, and there was no races. It had nothing to do with races. It had everything to do with just me doing something to stay. Because um, with the anxiety I had, my head was so full of thoughts and negative dialogue and all the different things that man, I, uh, running helped turn down the volume in my head and, and, and that white noise that people have when I would go out for those runs, it would kind of turn that down for, so I could have a little bit more clarity and I could kind of think a bit clearer. And, um, so yeah, I, I started doing that. And I remember I was, I was obviously working full time. I was a dog handler. And, uh, so I was, um, you know, getting up in the morning, go to the gym, go to work for seven, crank out a 10 hour shift, go run the dog, go for a run, maybe go to jujitsu and then come home. And that's kind of what my day was. And then, um, and then, and this was when jujitsu was happening, like in secret squirrel style, cause like, cause the pandemic. So you kind of had to find buddies and whatever. And, um, so anyway, so I, I kept doing it. And then I remember one day I wanted to schedule myself to do, run 21 kilometers. And that was in, it was like, I don't know, I can't remember, like 2020, I think in around 2020, November-ish, October-ish. And I was at work and I was, and, and I was doing all this on my own. I didn't have any coaches. I didn't have any friends telling me what to do. I was just kind of doing it all on my own. Like everyone around me was like, what are you doing, man? Like this nuts, right? And so I had no way to hold myself accountable. No, like no one was going to hold me accountable to do anything. So I had to find ways to hold myself accountable. And so I would just tell everyone, Hey, tonight I'm, I'm supposed to be running 21 kilometers. I'd be at work. And I would just tell people, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be running 21 K today, blah, blah, blah. Just to just get it out there. So at least someone could chirp me or say something. And, um, but it was the opposite effect. <laughs> I was, it was that day it was raining and I was telling some people I was working with, hey, I'm going to go run 21. They're like, why don't it's raining. What are you doing? I'm like, oh man, this is such a wrong crowd. I don't even know who I'm talking to, man. Like, what's this? 
So anyways, I just like, whatever. I got home and luckily for me, it was a bad day for me because um, uh, I got home and my ex-wife was, you know, I, I specifically, I can't remember, but it was something happened and it just kind of, you know, turned turned negative for me. And I was like, F this. So I grabbed my shoes. And at the time I had uh, those shoes you're talking about, so they were about 10 years old. And um, I put them on and I went out for about three hours and uh, in the rain and man, <laughs> So that, that that day I remember quite um, quite fondly because it was the first time I ever pushed myself that much. And it was the first time I ever ran that far. And it's the first time I ever done something that difficult without anyone telling me to do anything. Just on my own. <clears throat> and it wasn't fast or pretty or anything, but I did it. And for me at the time, I needed to do something like that because my self-worth and, and uh, confidence were in the dumps. I was feeling like garbage and that little thing really leveled me up uh, mentally in the sense of like, Oh wait, man, I'm not, I felt good. I never thought I could do this. So a bit of a self-worth there. Right. And so when I felt that I was like, cool, man, let me, it was a bit, it was a little taste, but I was like, okay, cool. Let me keep doing this. So then I kept grinding, kept grinding. And then February of 2021 in around that time, maybe a month earlier, I heard. Um, and again, I wasn't hanging out with a ton of people. You know, I uh, was just kind of doing my own thing and I was listening to a ton of podcasts and I heard Cameron Haynes on a Joe Rogan podcast and I heard, so Cameron Haynes is an ultra endurance athlete. He's in his fifties as a, he's a bow hunter. And, um, you know, when, when he would, uh, he would run these hundred mile, 200 mile races, like really long ultra endurance races. And when he would train for these, he would run a marathon a day. So he would run 42.2 kilometers to train for this while working full time. Wow. And when I, yeah, yeah, exactly. When I heard that, I was like, what? People do that? I didn't even think, I didn't even think people did that. Like, I didn't think that was humanly possible. I didn't know that people like that existed. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, man, I want to do that. How the, how the hell do you do that? Like, I want to do that. Because I thought it was so badass. It's so hard. At least for me, it was so hard. So I was like, for me, I, I value that kind of stuff. It's like, man, frick, that's so hard. I want to be able to do that. So then, um, so I didn't know how to do that, but I committed to myself. I want to be able to do that. And I had no freaking clue how to do it. So, but I still, so, but I remember that time because it, it, it very, like it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, holy shit, man, 42 a day. Okay. So then I just, I continued training. And then um, in 2021, uh, November 7th, I I was training for a while, like almost about a year, but at that point of running. And um, I was like, okay, cool. Let me see if I can do something positive here. So I, I wanted to raise some money for the uh, BC Yukon Legion, uh, which supports veterans and first responders with occupational stress injuries and PTSD. And so I ended up fundraising from August to November of 2020 run, 2021, and uh, raised about $21,000 for the BC Yukon Legion. And on November 7th, 2021, I ran from Chilliwack, uh, BC to the Vancouver airport, which is hundred kilometers. And I ran that just under 15 hours. So after I had done that, man, I was like, holy man, that was pretty legit. I never thought in a million years I could even do that. And I did that like pretty much on pretty garbage training and pretty crappy fueling, pretty crappy nutrition, pretty crappy everything. I, I, and I trained myself. I was just like, who's this me doing it? So it was really not optimized at all. <clears throat> so I thought, man, if I could do that, what else can I do? And I did that with bare bones. I was like, you know, what else can I do? But but at that point, I was uh, I thought I would have been feeling a lot better. But but um, 
mentally, I was actually quite worse. I felt fell into a bit more of a depression after because I had just done this thing and I felt even more isolated compared to my friends because uh, a lot of people I was hanging out with at the time really had no understanding of why I was doing any of this and really didn't care. Like, I mean, and I now reflecting back, I get it. I mean, why would you give a shit about what I'm doing? But, um, but at the time it did bother me and, and, and it did uh, affect me to a certain degree. So then I was like, Oh man, okay. <laughs> I had like a, almost like an existential threat kind of in the sense of like, okay, I love what I just did and I dig what I'm doing. And I don't want to be in law enforcement anymore, anymore. So how do I transition into doing this other thing? That's where I was at. I was like, I don't want to do law enforcement because it's really not my purpose. What I just did is what I want to figure out how to cultivate and grow. I just didn't know how to do any of that. So that's why I was kind of feeling uh, depressed and, and lost to a certain degree. And so this is when I started really engaging with Sean Taylor. <clears throat> And um, so at the time, you know, Seb Lavoie is a friend of mine, uh, Sergeant Major, uh, retired RCMP, ERT, and he's been on your platform as well. And he um, he was a friend of mine. I saw him and Sean had just started, had just met at, at this time. And I'm like, who's this guy? I'm like, who's this Sean Taylor cat? So I went to his platform and I was I read it and I was like, okay, I understand what kind of person he is, who he is. I know what tier one is. I know what JTF2 is. I know what that stuff is, right? So I was like... I was like, man, that's kind of cool. So I started following him and we started kind of connecting a little bit. And he saw he had tracked what I was doing because, you know, he's he tracks a lot of people. And um, so I. Uh, I then uh, saw him and Seb went to Haiti in December of 2021 to do some work. And on their way back, Sean, there was a snowstorm in the Vancouver area and Sean was headed back to Rossland, but his flight was canceled because of the snow. And I was luckily at the airport at work. So he had just posted something on his uh, stories and in, in Instagram saying he was going out for a coffee or a bite or whatever it was. And, and if anyone wanted to join him. So I hit him up. I go, hey, man, I'm at work. You want to go for a coffee or a beer? No, actually, no, I said, you want to go for a beer? And he was like, no, we'll go for a coffee. <laughs> so then anyways, long story short, we met up and uh, we hung out for about 30 minutes, turned into about three hours. And um, through that process, um, like fundamentally at the time, I needed someone to talk to and I didn't have anyone to talk to. And so I was, I was, you know, I, I needed to connect with somebody. And um, so I connected with him. Fortunately for me, it was him. And I don't, th to be honest, I don't know if, um, I don't know if anyone else on the planet would have done what he was able to do for me. I, and so had I not met him, I don't know where I'd be right now. I'll be very honest about that because um, I didn't have no clue. And as soon as I met him, I was like, okay, I need to keep talking to him. So I, after we, we hung out, I was like, Hey man, you cool if we keep talking. And he's like, yeah, we can, if you think it's helpful. I'll go, yeah, it's most definitely helpful. The only thing is he lives in Rossland. It's about seven hour drive from where I live. So um, we just started zoom calling each other. So um, for about two or three months, four to six days a week, I would Zoom call him. And it would be anywhere from like an hour to two, three hours, uh, just however long I needed to kind of recalibrate or kind of pick his brain or learn some stuff or whatever it was. And um, for me, it was very, very needed to help um, 
refine and understand which direction I really want to go in and which direction I really should go in. Now, <clears throat> again, I don't know if I'd make some of these decisions without his help because they were really challenging things to decide and make decisions on. And, and I don't know if I would have had the courage alone to do these things. Um, I don't know if I would have had the wherewithal to make some of these decisions on my own. Um, but with a friend and discussing with a friend and having conversations, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, it was very helpful. Anyway, so long story short, he performance coached me out of where I was. And then in about uh, around two to three months after that time, uh, we we went uh, maybe like once a week, we would chat. And then now it's just, you know, whenever we have a conversation, it happens, it happens. But um, it's, so what he finally helped with was just to refine my purpose, to refine it a bit more, to understand it a bit better. And then since that happened, I've been just executing against it every single day since 2022. And, and what uh, I did last year was I scheduled myself to run nine ultra marathons in nine months, uh, starting in March and ending in November. And an ultra marathon for your listeners is uh, 50 kilometers or more in one race. And I hadn't even ran a marathon yet. <laughs> I hadn't ran it. I scheduled myself to do nine ultras. And I was like, I had no clue what an ultra marathon. I had like no clue. I was like, oh, how hard could it be? I've competed in bodybuilding. I've done jujitsu. I'll just go run 100 miles, whatever. Like I had no clue. I had no idea what I, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm talking to Sean through all this process. He's like, oh yeah, cool. he knew exactly what I didn't know, but he wasn't trying to help me at all in that way. <laughs> he was basically, okay, let's, you're going to find out. <laughs> anyway, so I, I ended up finding out um, on my first race that I went to, like, so in March, I did the Goggins 4 by 448 so which is uh, four, running four miles every uh, four hours, 48 hours. So I did that as my first sort of challenge. And for me, easy. <laughs> well, I mean, saying it now, yeah, it is, it is a little bit, uh, but <laughs> But at the time, it was a major challenge. I had never attempted anything like that before. So I don't know if I could do it, right? Um, interrupting my sleep, doing this, that, and the other, all the things that are associated to something uh, as a challenge like that. So for me, after I was doing it, then I saw how I was doing it in the process of doing it. And I was like, oh, man, I feel more right. So I called an audible and I kept going and I pushed myself a bit more, right? Because I didn't want to stay dogmatic to the, 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 the actual specific task. If I felt better, I wanted to see if I could push it. And um, so I did. I ended up running... Um, uh, so I think the total for the Goggins thing over 48 hours is about 76 kilometers ish. I ended up running closer to 100 in two days, wow. just to kind of just to kind of see if I could push it a bit more. And when I did that, I was like, "Holy crap! I never thought I could do that." Right. So whenever I hit that benchmark, I wanted to create another one. I didn't. I wasn't satisfied with that that one benchmark because I just started doing this thing, and I was like, "If I was able to do this fairly quickly, how?" Like, how much more can I do? So, so I kept that mentality until, um, well, actually, I've kept it since, even despite getting my ass kicked on a bunch of those races, like, and, 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 and being super slow and being like probably one of the worst on compared to a lot of the other people that were doing it. And, um, but anyway, so the next race I went to was, uh, I think it was in, uh, yeah, that one was in April. That was in Victoria. It was a hundred kilometer race. It was a, uh, it was, um, 
it was a fairly simple one. I'd probably do way better at it right now. And it was a, it was in Victoria. It was a flat trail, maybe a hundred meters of elevation with a 10 kilometer loop. And you had to run that 10 times and do the hundred kilometers. Now I had still had no clue on how to properly fuel myself, do nutrition and do anything. So I, I went out to this one and I totally messed up my electrolytes, my nutrition and all the things. My body was edema everywhere, swelling up all the things. And I, but, but, um, but I learned something quite important and, and actually was quite, and I still remember to this day, <clears throat> I was the last person that finished that race and I didn't even finish. I made it only to, uh, seven, uh, 80 kilometers, 82 kilometers, something like that. And so there was a cutoff of about 15 hours. So if you didn't finish it within 15 hours, they were packing up, everyone was leaving and I was past that. So everyone had already left the race organizers, the racers, like it was all done. And uh, I was there with uh, my crew, so two other people that were helping me. And I was at this stage in the game. It was a, I was about seventy kilometers in, and and at this stage, I was, I mean, man, I was basically walking. Like it was, it was shuffling at this point. And each loop, you know, 10, 10 kilometers would probably take me if I was like now maybe an hour. Like if I was doing a hundred of them, like a hundred kilometers. Um, but at that time it was taking me, man, it was such pain. My feet were all swollen. It was taking me almost two hours to run that 10 K and it was a shuffle. And so the, so we were getting to, I got to my pit stop around 70 kilometers and I was talking to my, one of my crew, uh, Aaron, who was helping me out and she's a first, uh, she's a RCMP and she also used to be a paramedic. So she could tell that I was a hurting unit and she was, um, working on my feet my ankles and my my shins and stuff and and she was like look i mean you you're pretty bad here and um you know i don't think you should be i don't think you should continue and i was like yeah you know that's not happening uh i came out here and i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna even if it takes me another eight hours man i kind of have to do it right and she's like honestly like this medically this that and the other i was like okay cool and before we i started out i put her in charge because i know the type of person i am if i don't have something like i'm just gonna argue all day and um so i said okay you're in charge whatever you say it's all good before i even kicked off and so when we got to the 70 mark i didn't want to argue but i also said okay look how about we do this let me kick off one more lap we'll see how that lap goes if it's a hot mess we'll call it after but if i feel i can keep moving let's just keep moving and she's like okay cool so on that that final lap, it was dark. <laughs> There's no sun anymore. It was quiet. We're in the bush. Like I'm in the bush. I'm alone. No one else is there, right? And I'm running, and it almost felt like a maze in the sense of like the trees were so kind of around me, right? And um, in the moment, and I'm barely running. You know, my pace was probably like nine minutes a kilometer or something, and. Um, in that moment, I looked up and I looked around and I started smiling. And I was like, oh, this is the shit right here. I was happy. I was like, I'd rather, in that moment, that specific moment, I know the exact moment. I was like, I'd rather be doing this than anything else right now. I'd rather be doing this than go to work, quote unquote. So as soon as I made that realization, I was like, okay, cool, man. And then I, I kept moving with that process. So uh, after that one, I went to Salmon Arm. There was another race up there called the Backyard Ultra, which is a 6.7 kilometer loop. You got to run that loop every 60 minutes um, until you can't. And, and that one showed me something that was 
I didn't even think possible in the sense of the type of people that do these things. And I met some pretty savage people, man. I met some people that are so unassuming that can do some amazing things that you would never even imagine. And I was so like, um, like zero concept of this world. So I'm in there, I go up there and I had no clue on how to even prepare for that. I go up there and just to put in perspective, people are doing that race for hours. Like, like they just had the world championships last week in Tennessee. The person that won and only one person can win. There's no second place. Right. So the person that won just set the world record and he ran 109 laps. And that is the equivalent of over 700 kilometers in five days. Wow. Cow. He ran like close to 800 kilometers in five days with maybe an hour of sleep. That's <laughs> the kind of savagery these dudes are. Wow. Right? Yeah. And every and, one of these people will say, oh, I'm just a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, I'm just no. And the, yeah. The guy who won, it's a vegan. <laughs> and the guy who got second is from Chilliwack, BC, he, uh, Ukrainian Canadian. He uh, won uh, the lot. His name's Ihor Veris, and uh, he ran. Um, so how it works is like you almost need an assist if you're you can't run by yourself. So those two, that guy who won, won because of that second place guy because mm. he he was also driving as well. And those guys, man, it, it, like can you imagine like over 700 kilometers in 5 days nonstop, man, just kept going. So that's the race I went to and uh I went to that as my first race. <laughs> I had no clue. Like, I didn't realize people would be doing that for days. So when I got there, I get there, these people have like um tents set up, they have pit crews, they have this, they have that, they have clothes, they have uh cots, they have all the things. I'm fucking I'm there with a bag of nuts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like straight up, man. I went up with a freaking bag of almonds and freaking mixed nuts and shit. And I'm like, oh man. So anyways, long story short, I didn't quit, but I couldn't make it to the cutoff to the to one of the stages. And I ran about 47 kilometers. I think it ended up being a 2000 meter elevation on those 400 because there's 100, 150 meter elevation per per lap. Wow, wow. So that I that adds up over, you know, for days, sure. right? So um, so that was another learning lesson for me. So, so what I did was I scheduled all these ultras to learn because I had no clue, right? I wanted to get in there, like put my feet to the fire, try to figure these things out. And each race, I progressively improved one thing. Okay, I proved maybe nutrition. I proved maybe my kit. I approved my, my pacing or whatever. Something would improve. And I did that all the way until the end of the year, until uh, November uh, 6th. I had my last one was 90 kilometers from Chilliwack to New Westminster. And I in that last year for those nine ultras, we raised just over $15,000 wow. for the Honor House Society, which is a charity that supports veterans and first responders with occupational stress injuries. And not just first responders, but emergency personnel. So firefighters, paramedics, corrections, like everybody that wears an emergency uniform, um, Honor House will support. And, and I'm... Uh, advocated for them on the regular and I'm basically a full-time volunteer and um so essentially that's what I did last year and then for this year 
you know, at the end of last year, it was made basically a, a process of figuring out, okay, you know, I just did this. Now let's, how do we push the envelope even further? The goal is to ultimately uh, run across the country. So I was sitting with my running coach and we were having a discussion last year. How do we kind of push the envelope even further? And we came up with a few concepts. Okay. You know, running 100, 200, 300 kilometers, is just not enough. You need consecutive days of a lot of volume. So we came up with a marathon a day for 22 days and um, the 22 days specifically because a study was done in, the, in 2011 in the United States that revealed that 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And um, if you were to incorporate first responders, emergency personnel and Canadians, I suspect that number just becomes astronomically yeah. nutty. So we wanted to highlight that number. And, you know, if I was going to train uh, this is the 22 marathons was a training block sure but if we're going to have a training block for the ultimate goal to run across canada well let's do a bunch of things and help a bunch of people at the same time so we can do multiple things all at the same time so run across the province of bc ran from revelstoke to victoria it was 22 marathons a day about a thousand kilometers over eight thousand meters of elevation stopping through various different towns across the province and it's pretty amazing, man. And uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell over the last three, four years of the things that I've been trying to do and, and moving in the direction that I'm trying to move in.